point. Thank you. Now the question is basically about the ascension of Christ and so forth and so on. And um, we'll take a look tonight a little bit about what Jesus Christ did when he went to heaven. Take a look a little bit about what Jesus did and, and just a little bit about that time after, after the resurrection. Look at me in John chapter 20. Let's read in verse um, 11. John 20, 11. Jesus here is in the grave, and um, Mary comes in early in the morning. And I'll wait just a second here until the mass gets in. All right, John chapter 20, look with me in verse 11. The Bible says, But Mary stood without the sepulcher, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that there was Jesus. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have, where am I at? If thou have borne him hence, Tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Verse 16. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, she turneth herself back, and saith unto him, uh, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren, and say unto them, I ascended unto my Father, and your Father, and to my God, and your God. Now, let me just stop and review. A couple weeks ago, we took and tore down the, 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 the uh, time at the tomb. How many angels were at the, at the tomb? Do you remember? Three. Can you tell me about it? Who they were, what they were, why they were? Do you recall? Right. One of them was the angel of the Lord. And the other two were angels. Do you remember where the angel of the Lord was, was at? He was sitting up on top of the rock. Where were the other two angels? Remember? We were inside the tomb, one at the head, one at the feet. You remember, Mary went in, she came back out, and she saw the other angel, which John records as who? Jesus Christ. Now, let's review just a second. Every time in your King James Bible you find the angel of the Lord, who is it? Jesus Christ, okay, in a pre-incarnate form as the angel of the Lord. And um, you find uh, the angel of the Lord throughout your Bible. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 11. You begin to run him back through. I think that night we gave you references and all that stuff. But I just couldn't resist the review there for just a second to kind of go back and look at what happened. Now Craig's question basically was what happened? What did he do? If you drop down to, um, well, let's see, where do we want to go here? Drop down to verse, just go ahead and read through. Read me verse 18. The Bible says, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Then the same day at what? Evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst 
uh, oh my head, came, stood in the midst, and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had, had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Uh, then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, which uh, was not with them when Jesus came. Did I read that right? Was not with them when, when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore uh, said unto him, We have seen the Lord, but he said unto them, Except I see his hands and the print of his nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand inside, I will not believe. And after eight days again, the disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold thy hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believe. Verse 28, we were talking about earlier, Craig. Thomas, and Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me and hast believed, blessed they which have not seen and yet have believed. Okay, now, what happens is Jesus Christ is in a transitional period. You find in your Bible a lot of transitions where God goes from one thing to another. Jesus Christ comes out of the tomb. He's right there at the rock. And let me just stop a second and let me show you one of the things that, that I'm going to be talking to um, a couple with this later this week about why, about just, just some evidence as far as what Jesus Christ did. If you would, turn with me please uh, back to uh, Romans chapter 8. The book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And I want to show you some things as far as who Jesus Christ is and what he was doing at this time. If you want to get with me, please, Romans chapter 8 in one hand, and get in the other hand, 1 Thessalonians 1.10. 1 Thessalonians 1.10. And I want to start there. 1 Thessalonians 1.10. Alright, 1 Thessalonians 1.10 we, we talked through this and I don't think I brought this out we talked through it but let's look at it let's read verse 9 to get into context For they themselves show us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how you turned to God from idols to serve living and true to God and to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead even Jesus which delivered us from the wrath to come now look very closely at verses 9 and 10. Who raised Jesus from the dead? Look at it very closely. Let's read it again. For they themselves show us what manner of entering we unto you, and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son. Who's His Son? Jesus. Who's His? The Father. To wait for His Son 
from heaven whom he, who's he? God the Father, raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. So we got two acts going on. Hey, welcome, bud. Come on in. We're in 1 Thessalonians 1.10. Now we got, we, got, um, we got two acts going on here. We got number one, we've got the Father raising the Son from the dead. Let's write this down. We've got the Father raising the Son. Okay? Second thing we've got here is we've got the Son redeeming us, right? Am I reading that verse right? Okay? That's where we're at. Now, turn back to Romans 11, where you, Romans 8, where you've got your finger. Romans 8, verse 11. Romans 8, verse 11. Now, look at what the Bible says in Romans 8, 11. Let's get verse 10 and get a run on it. Now, look at it very carefully. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Look at verse 11 very carefully. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His what? Spirit that dwelleth in you. Now, look at verse 11 very carefully. Who raised Jesus from the dead? Verse 11. The Holy Spirit did. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Interesting, huh? One other thing I'd point out. Look with me please in verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, see what's going on there? You've got, my friend, Christ in you in verse 10, and verse 11, the Spirit in you. Right? Now look up at verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh through the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of, what? God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of him. And if Christ be in you, the body is... you see what's going on? We have got, number one, we've got the Spirit of life. Number two, we've got the Spirit of God. And number three, we've got the Spirit of Christ. Right? Who is also called Christ. And if Christ be in you. Now let me ask you a question. Anybody who is saved tonight? Amen? How many, how many spirits living in you? Oh, come on now. Are there three spirits in you? Or one? One. 
You are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians chapter 1. You know what goes on here? These are all the same person. What's going on there is all three are the same. You've got Christ dwelling in you. You've got the Spirit of Christ giving you life. You've got the Spirit of God dwelling in you. Okay? And notice, the Father raised Jesus from the dead, and the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. i got one more for you. Turn back to the book of John, chapter 2. John, chapter 2. This is a good one. Look at me please in John chapter 2 and verse 18. John 2.18. John 2.18. They answered the Jews and said to him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Verse 19. Do it very carefully. I'm going to see just a second if I quit. You know what's going on Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days, what's the next word? I. Who's speaking? I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building. Wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his... Who raised Jesus from the dead according to John chapter, John chapter 2? Jesus Christ did. Jesus raised himself from the dead. What did the angels do when they came to the tomb? What did the angels do when they came? Why did they come to the tomb? Why angels? They rolled the stone away. They kind of got things going. They were a visible hand of God, right? Who was one of the angels? He was there at his own resurrection. Why was he there at his own resurrection? Why? Because he's God. The Father raised Jesus from the dead. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. And Jesus raised himself from the dead. How could all three do it at one time? One God. See? So everything you do, you take and you see in your word, in your Bible, you will see a conjunction, a joint working of all three agents in the Godhead working together to accomplish one purpose. And it's one of the beautiful illustrations. Yes, ma'am. Yes. All three of those are the Holy Spirit. But notice they're possessing. The Spirit of life, He's His own self. That's Him, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ. Give me a couple of reasons why the Spirit of Christ is mentioned. Who does the saving? Jesus. What is the agent that He uses to save us? The Holy Spirit. See? Each one has a separate office. Each one has their own job and function. What does God do? God forgives sin and God judges sin. What does Jesus do? Jesus became a sin for us. He took our place. What's the Holy Spirit do? When we accept 
Christ's job, the Spirit then seals us and gives us life and makes us sons of God. See, without the Spirit of God, without the Spirit, take it with you. I'm generous. Without the Spirit of God, there can be no life. That is a Bible law. That's why the charismatics are wrong when they say that you and I uh, have got to have, they teach this, a second feeling of the Holy Ghost or a second experience. They say, I get saved tonight, but I do not get the Holy Ghost. I get the Holy Ghost when I speak in tongues. That contradicts Romans chapter 8 where the Bible says, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If the Holy Spirit of God does not live inside of me, I am not saved. In fact, Ephesians 1 teaches, we know we're saved because we've got the Holy Ghost. See? So each member of the Godhead has their own job. None of them cross the barriers. None of them interfere. They've all got their own job, their own function. Everything they do falls right in the line. So see, the reason Jesus Christ is sitting there on that rock is because He's there to raise Himself from the dead. Did I ever show you another wild one? Do you want to see one that even bothers me worse than that one does? Turn back to Matthew chapter 2. Turn back to Matthew chapter 2. Craig, we will get to your question, buddy. I'm on a roll. Matthew chapter 2. Look at me, please. Now, this is wild. I really have trouble believing this. If I, I mean, this one is beyond me. I believe it. It's just beyond me. Let's read. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired diligently, What? Time the star appeared. Notice, it appears and it leaves. Unless there's clouds in the sky, a star is in the same place for the same part of the year. They will change as the earth revolves, the position in the sky, but the same stars are out tonight, they were out last night, right? This star appears and doesn't. Verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star they saw in the east went before them. 
it moves. Okay? Which they saw in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding joy. They were looking for it. It wasn't there. And when they saw it, they rejoiced. Verse 11. Paragraph mark in your Bible. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed in their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream and saith, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and, and be thou there until I bring thee word for Herod uh, shall destroy, uh, will seek the young child to destroy him. So, we find ourselves in a very peculiar position. We find ourselves in a position um, where these wise men are looking for Jesus and they're running around having a great time but they can't find him. And all of a sudden the star comes and it goes before him and it leads him to where he's at but it comes and it goes because only the wise men see the star. Herod can't see the star and he says, what time does it appear? And where is it at? How do I find it? Because he sought to kill Jesus. And so we go through the thing and begin to see the star is bouncing around. Now look at me please um, back. Let me just run a couple verses but I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. Turn me back to Revelation chapter 12. The last book in your Bible. Revelation chapter 12. Let me please be verse 4. That be the first four verses. Revelation 12, 1. Okay, here we go. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon and her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she being with child cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And he drew, and, pardon me, and his tail drew a third part of the, what? Stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. Now, drop down with me, please, to verse 9. Same story. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, and was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Grab me please, chapter 9, verse 1. Chapter 9, verse 1. Chapter 9, verse 1. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and unto him was given the key of the bottomless pit. For time's sake, drop down to verse 11. And they had a king over him, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abandon, but in the Greek tongue, his name is Apollon. 
Okay, one more time, we'll look at it and we'll, we'll drop this one. Look at me please, Revelation chapter 1, verse 20. Revelation chapter 1, verse 20. Revelation 1, 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. My friend, without taking some more time tonight, without a doubt, every time you find in your Bible the word S-T-A-R, it's an angel. Every time in your Bible you find a star, it's an angel. Now, Matthew chapter 2 back in there, you know what was going on? Jesus was down in the manger, and He was the angel leading them to Him. Just like He's at the tomb and sitting on the rock resurrecting Himself. You know, that'll get you thrown out of those Baptist churches. That really will. That'll just get you tossed out on your ear. You see, there's a lot of supernatural things going on that you've got to take your Bible and look at and run down to see what's going on. But you see, Jesus Christ is the angel of the Lord. And He's running around all through that thing in Matthew and Luke back there in the account of the, um, of the, of the birth. And you watch that thing very closely and you see what's going on. That star came and gone. It moved around. And that star, according to Bible definition, is an angel. Now, you recall last week, uh, Kenny asked a question about uh, 1 Corinthians 15, about the different glories. Remember we talked about there was one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. What is that a type of? One glory of the sun, Jesus Christ, one glory of the moon, the church, and one glory of the stars, the angels. See that thing? See that thing works? So you see, when you get dealing with Jesus Christ, He's a strange character, man. I mean, He's bouncing around there two and three places at a time. I mean, He's there at His own birth. He's there at His own resurrection. Isn't that strange stuff? You think about that? I can't say, that one I can't comprehend. I, I believe that one, but boy, you ask me to explain it, and I just say, hey, you know, the book says it, and I believe it, and that's about all you can go with it. That thing right there will play games with your minds. To stop and think of Jesus Christ there at his own birth. You know, there. You start running that thing through the Bible, and, you know, I mean, I don't recall, but I don't remember if where he warns himself. Well, in fact, it does. Do you realize he goes down to Egypt and brings him back out of Egypt, and he's the baby down there, and the Bible says the angel of the Lord warns him, says, I will bring you back? He goes down to Egypt, brings himself out of Egypt. I mean, think about that one a while. I mean, that's a wild book, isn't it? Isn't that a wild book? You guys sleep? Well, but when you think of it now, he knows everything and he's everywhere. Why? He's God. <laughs> he's God. You know what you know what you know what attribute of God? He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. That's what God is. That's what he is. God is everywhere. Psalm 139 teaches us, where can I go to get away from God? If I ascend to heaven, He's there. If I go to hell, He's there. It says, if I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, Bible definition of sea, outer space, the deep, 
to the uttermost parts of the sea. He says, even there shall thy right hand lead me. You know what a Bible definition of the right hand of God is? Jesus Christ. See? So you take that thing and run it through, and you see all those things going on where, where Jesus Christ and all kinds of strange things to himself. <laughs> you know, he raised himself from the dead, leading himself out of Egypt, you know, I mean, he's, he's just taking care of the thing. Raised himself from the dead, I mean, it gets bizarre. You start getting back in and looking at the thing. See what happens when you believe the words of the Bible? Just take them as they're written. Let the Bible define itself. What is a star? Place after place after place. Star is an angel. Okay? So I have a star, which is an angel. What's the star do? Well, the star is called the angel of the Lord. What's the angel of the Lord? Jesus Christ. The Bible defines itself. What do I do? See how you just don't interpret anything. Let the Bible define itself. Talk to me. Any questions? Just clear as mud. The star of the is all of the Me. Angel came and gone, went and gone. Didn't you read one verse that said it was the angel of the Lord? Okay. Always Jesus Christ. Always Jesus Christ. I can't figure that one. That one's got me bone boggled. In other words, he's out there as a star leading to where he was in the day. Just for example, whenever the world hears a clap of thunder, or whenever God's voice is uttered, the world hears it as a clap of thunder. According to the book of Psalms, in the book of Matthew or Luke. Okay? So every time you see these things in nature, made to teach you about things you can't see. See, the stars are going to teach you about the angels. Also, picture things for us, but they're the angels doctrinally. See? Just like the birds are devils. So you begin running those things down, it gets really, really strange. It really does. I'll tell you another one that will blow your mind. Do you remember the, the pillar of fire that led the Hebrews through the wilderness? The cloud? You know who that was? Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord. I mean, that's a weird one, man. I mean, he's, he's all over the place. Doing everything. Is it possible he could be Adam himself? I ain't going to discuss that. <laughs> you know, it isn't. It isn't because he sinned. But there's great parallels. And you start running that thing through. Say, could he be Adam himself? But see, he sins, but he can't be. Because Christ can't sin. Isn't that strange? Now you see, when, you know what happens? We're talking like we're talking. Holy Spirit of God starts opening little avenues up. And you start seeing things that you never saw before. Say, and Holy Spirit of God, you're a little more understanding, and you got another piece in the puzzle. See? Then next week, Lord's going to do something else in the puzzle. I'm going piece in there, see? And a little bit more understanding. Get a little bit more depth in the Word of God. You start seeing just stuff that's not on the surface. But stuff that's kind of hidden under the words and behind the letters and under the commas. And, you know, and stuff that's down in there. Just simple Bible study. Run the word star down. It's an angel. Run the word angel Lord down. Jesus Christ. What conclusion do you have? Strange things in that King James Bible. Anything we'll talk about? Let me go on and face question. I remember what it was. The shape? Yes, ma'am? I know my grandma asked 
All right, we're talking about, about Jesus Christ coming out of the grave. We're talking about the work where he sent to his Father. Turn back, if you would, to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. Now, I'm going to give you a little nugget here that I'm not going to charge you for tonight. But I am going to give you the start of something that will change your life. Okay? I am going to give you tonight the key that will help you understand the universe. Okay? And we'll take the thing and begin to run it down. And sometime I want to teach the book of Hebrews through verse by verse. And we'll run this thing down and see if we can figure out where Jupiter's at. Okay? I don't know where to start in this thing, but let's take a little look here. And let's drop to to Hebrews chapter 7. And they're talking about Jesus Christ being a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And we're not going to talk about Melchizedek tonight. We're going to talk about Jesus Christ as a priest. And he goes on, he talks about in verse... um, Oh, where do I start? There's a big argument going on here, a big persuasion. Let's go to verse 20. Hebrews 7.20 And inasmuch as not without an oath he was made a priest. For those priests were made without an oath. But this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear will not repent, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much, by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. For they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. Now grab it. But this man, because he continueth ever, never dies, hath an unchangeable priesthood. He said the Old Testament priests died because they just died and they could not continue being a priest. But Jesus Christ will never die. He continueth ever. Verse 25. Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him. Right there, you have the beautiful both offices of the, of the Godhead. Seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such a high priest became us. Wait a second. For such a high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those priests, now grab it, here's where we're going, to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's, now here it is, for this he did what? Once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the Son who is consecrated evermore. Now, verse eight, chapter 8, verse 1. Now, the, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. The whole first part of the book, he's been making an argument. 
He said, okay, we're done. Here's the, to the total, the sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. Now let me stop. I cannot resist this. this. Who pitched the tabernacle in verse 2? Who is the Lord? Well, he's God the Father in this case. Do you know Colossians chapter 1 says Jesus Christ made the universe? You know, I can show you a place where the Bible says God spoke the world into existence, and I can show you a place where Jesus Christ spoke him into existence. How could they both do it? They're the same one. Verse 3. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts to the law. Now, here's where we're going. Grab it. Who serve unto the example and the shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to, and get the next word, the pattern showed to thee in the mount. You know what, that, you know what that's teaching you? Jesus Christ is not on earth. He's doing his priestly work in the true tabernacle. Verse 2. You know what the true tabernacle is? Now let me stop and digress and I'll come back and bring it together for you. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle was like this. This is a very basic lesson. It had a wall around it like this. Okay, and there's a door here. Okay? And there was a graven altar here and there was a labor here to worship. Then... There was a building. And that building had two parts. This is called the outer court. This is called the holy place. This is called the holy of holies. Now without going into a big speech on the tabernacle, God lived right here. Between the cherubim, that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. The priest worked in here. He had showbread, he had bread he worked with, type of the Word of God. The only light in there was the seven candlesticks, type of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, the incense were burning, type of our prayers going to God. And the only thing that separated the priest from God was a veil that once a year he went in the Holy of Holies and he sprinkled blood on the mercy seat. And that covered all the sins of all Israel forever for that year. Right? This was made after a true tabernacle. How many heavens are there? Three heavens. What are they? 
the atmosphere of the earth, space, and the third heaven. Three. Where does God live? The third? Yeah, but he's, he's in heaven. His throne's in heaven. This is space. This is, this is the outer court. This is the world. You know where the whole world lives? You know where Christians are as priests of God? You can take that thing and run it through all the way through and every, every piece of material, everything, I mean everything, from the tops of the poles to the bottom of the poles to the way they stitched the, the seams on the curtains was a picture of Jesus Christ. Now, my friend, if you want to understand the universe, you go back in the book of Numbers and Leviticus, back in the book of Exodus, and you get the measurements of that thing, and you, my friend, will have the measurements of the universe. You say, why? Three heavens? Where did Christ go? To heaven. Now, let me put it all together for you. Turn over to chapter 9. You say, I don't believe it. Hang on. Hang on. I always save the, the, the kidney punch for last. Look at me, please, in chapter 9 and verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. It, was it is therefore necessary that the Patterns of things in the heaven. Did I read that right? What is it? Heavens plural, as in three, should be what? Purified by these. Now wait a second. You mean the shedding of blood purified the heavens? Well, we're getting some crazy doctrine, aren't we all of a sudden? Let's go on. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these, but of goats and lambs. For Christ is not in the holy place made with hands, which is the figure of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. You know what he did? Mary, don't touch me. I've got to go make the supreme sacrifice of the ages. He took his blood to heaven, walked into the holies of holies in heaven, and sprinkled on God's throne, once and for all, paying your sins and my sins, as God saw the blood. See it? He's not entering the places made with hands. He's entering the heavens. And he's there doing his priestly work for you and I, my friend. And by that night, he'd done all that and come back down and met with the disciples by evening of that night. I told you that night with Jake's. Remember, we talked about that thing. Remember there. Blood makes this universe go around. The blood of Christ is purifying the entire, complete universe. 
That's why every liberal religion gets rid of the blood. That's why the New American Standard takes the blood out. That's why the New International Version takes the blood out. Why? Because the blood is what gets rid of sin. See it? Yeah, because that's sin. Okay, you're right, exactly. See, something's got to die so something can live. Now, this is going to get sticky, and if I, I words trip you, stop me. Jesus had blood, but the blood had no sin. His blood had his life. So he gave his life to pay for our life that had sin. So when he took his blood to heaven, it didn't defile him because it didn't have sin. But, see, ours does. That's why we can't go to heaven. Because we're contaminated. Corruption cannot inherit into corruption. See? So, he took his sinless blood to heaven. He said, how did he get sinless blood? Don't ask me. But he had it. Sprinkled on the throne of God. Just like the priest did for 4,000 years in the Old Testament. Every year. You know what he's doing? A picture. A picture. A picture. The things God made. Teach about things you can't see. You know why God made a tabernacle in the wilderness? Teach you about heaven. Let me lay a wild one on you. Tabernacle had bounds, didn't it? A wall. You realize heaven's got bounds? What's on the other side of heaven? What's on the other side of the bounds? Now, yes, sir. You're saying this is literally. He literally took the blood Literally took it to heaven. That's the way you should take it. Bible says, verse 24, But into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. That, that to me explains tremendously him shedding the blood for each and every one of us. He had to purge the universe. Do you understand? Honestly. Do you know where Satan dwells? Second heaven. The second and the third heavens, are, or the first and the second heavens are his. That's why we keep trying to get up there in spaceships. Because they're his. Just like we used to build towers to heaven. You say, why? That...